Welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm Jessica Luther. Today I'm here with Sabra Cook, a race car driver. She will be here in Austin, Texas, the weekend of October 22nd, racing in the W Series. I should go down to the track and watch this. Sabra, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Uh, so I guess being a race car driver, your job is to basically drive to the limit of the car, tires, and track um, as close as possible at all times. Obviously, it, it gets a little different if you're sprint racing versus endurance racing because then you have some other things to manage. But ideally, your your job is to optimize whatever situation you're given and extract the most from yourself and everything around you. That's amazing. And I want to talk about extracting that in a little bit. But I understand that you were born into motorsports. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Um, my dad raced motocross and supercross professionally. And he and my mother obviously didn't want us racing motorcycles. Um, so we, he found karting after he retired from 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 racing. And so uh, we got into karting at a, at a young age and just took off from there. Can you explain like the word karting shows up in, in articles about, about this. What does that like go karting? Like, what does that mean when you say karting? Yeah. So, so go karting. Um, I guess we just call it karting. Most of the people get a little confused. We don't mean like amusement park fun carts. <laughs> so <laughs> the, no, the, uh, so I guess it's like, um, you can actually race, you can be a professional kart racer. Um, oh. and they basically, usually it's a, it's a single, single engine. Um, and the power to weight ratio is quite, um, I actually, I, I need to calculate what that is actually. Basically we weigh like, what was the weight? Um, three sixty-five, and we would have maybe forty-ish horsepower, depending on what engine package you had. So not too bad. Um, and we, we could pull quite a lot of G forces um, in the corners just because of our really low center of gravity. Yeah. So it's uh, karting is a much much different uh, perspective than people would think when you go to Six Flags. Huh. That is so you're doing all this calculation like in your head right now. That's so interesting to hear you talk about cars like this. So how old were you when you started karting? Um, I drove myself for the first time when I was almost eight. Um, but I remember my dad got a shifter cart and uh, I sat on his lap in a parking lot and he drove around the parking lot very obviously slowly um, in a cart maybe the year before that. But yeah, I was about eight years old the first time I drove my, my first one. Okay. And so I want to talk about how you go from karting to what you're doing now, but I think first it would help if people understood what kind of cars you actually drive. I'm like, is IndyCar correct? Like, how do you describe what kind of car it is that you're driving in the W series? So, yeah. So I, I drive a few different ones, but we'll just focus on the okay. W series one for, for now. So the W series is classified as an F3 car. So formula three. So um, I guess the way a lot of people know what F1 is now, especially thanks to the Netflix documentary. Netflix. So <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that is the formula, formula one. So that is the top. And then every step down from that is formula two, or they have super, super formula. Um, and then step down from that is F3. So anything that's classified in that general power to weight or chassis type is formula three. And then below that is like formula four, which is even less power um, usually a heavier car. So that's how, basically that's how it's kind of classified. It's like one is the top and then four. And one is, is like, 
weighs less and goes faster? Not necessarily. No. So is not that what you're saying? No. Okay. It's sorry. A, it's like how it, it's all. A lot of it is based on power to weight ratio. Power and to weight. Okay. It is power to weight, but then also the F1 car produces an extreme amount of downforce that the others do not. And F1 is unique because every team builds their own car. Um, and with like F2, F3, F4, there is a one standard chassis that a manufacturer Aww. builds. So all of your chassis and the engines are the same, but you have different teams that can run. Obviously you have two, usually each team runs two cars, but essentially the cars are the same. There's some development differences that you can do if you have a team that's experienced um, and, and knows how to optimize the setup for that. But F1, yes, power to weight is much better. Okay. Lots of downforce. It's the fastest. I guess that's a good way to think about it is fastest. Like F1 is the fastest, F4 is the slowest. And it's just okay. step up every time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so how then does one go from an eight-year-old karting to what you are doing now? Uh, well, it can vary a lot depending on the person. Um, but for me, uh, I so I started karting and then started racing, you know, state races and karting, then started racing national races and karting, then started racing international races and karting. Um, huh. And then this is the tricky part for most people um, is that jump from karting to cars because of the financial resources that it takes. Okay. So for me, I, um, I love karting to death. But I, I, I maybe stayed in the karting level more than longer than I wanted to, um, because it is hard to make to make that jump financially. So I finally got enough sponsorship in 2017 to do my first car race. Um, but until that point, I had done obviously the I talked about the progression of the karting, and then I was essentially a professional kart racer for several years, and then transitioned to cars in 2017. And then I was amateur kart racing in 2017 um, in SCCA is what I started in. Um, and then eventually moved on to do a little bit of USF 2000, which is basically a little bit slower than an F3, but faster than an F4. It, I know it gets okay. complicated with all of the names. Um, and I did F4 as well, a couple races in that. And then the very next year I moved into W Series in 2019, which is the F3 cars. Okay, this is a perfect moment for you to explain to our listeners what the W Series is. So the W Series is a relatively new series. It's the first of its kind. Uh, it was created in 2019, was our first season. Um, and the way that it works is all of the drivers, do, we don't pay. Uh, usually for motorsports, you have to bring sponsorship and funding to the teams. Um, but with W Series, you had to go through a very extensive qualifying process in order to be selected as one of 18 active drivers in order to secure your spot. The, so 60 women started and then 18 made it to the final active spots. Um, it's the first all-female series um, and it was basically created because women tend to struggle to make it to that F3 step or past that. Um, and it's usually due to lack of experience, lack of funding. And so W Series is like that step that um, that they wanted to create to give females more opportunity to continue to grow, continue to further their careers. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to be a part of that. So how long is a normal race in the W Series? Like how long are you racing? Uh, w Series is shorter. So we, we race 30 minutes plus one lap. So you rate like everyone races for 30 minutes. What does that mean? 
So we, we basically race as soon as the green flag goes, the clock starts uh-huh. at 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And then once it gets to zero, then we have one more lap on top. So basically say whoever's leading the race, they cross the finish line at with 17 seconds left. And that means that they're, she's going to come around again and then get the checkered, get the white flag. So mm. she has to do one more. But if she were to get to the start finish and the time has reached zero, she would then get the white flag. Does that make sense? So yes. it's like 30 minutes, wherever 30 minutes ends, as soon as 30 minutes ends, the next time the leader comes around that you get the white flag. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So I read that it's been more than 45 years since a woman started a Formula One Grand Prix race. Like just seeing that, it's clear that there are barriers to entry for women. What do you think the biggest ones are in in car racing? I guess with Formula Car Racing, it is, majority of it is financial, um, struggling to in, enough to get, you know, get the funding to get the proper seat time. Like I think that W series did a study on like the amount of seat time that a, that a female has in comparison to our male counterparts, um, to, in order to develop and grow, um, throughout our career is far, far less. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a big part of it. And that all comes down to funding. Um, and then also having that seat time is really important to building our physical strength in order to handle the formula cars, because, um, until you get to F1, there's no power steering. And so when you race in GT cars, etc., there is power steering. And while okay. a woman is totally capable of doing so, it, it, we're more than capable of getting there. Um, you still need to have the right resources, the right team, the right training programs, and the right amount of seat time in order to develop you. So that way you are physically strong enough in order to drive the cars. This is interesting to me for a whole host of reasons, including like the longer that women don't get that opportunity that like reinforces itself, that like it's harder to prove that women deserve to be there when you like can't get there. That it seems like it's like creates itself over and over again. And I read like um, in one of the articles that F1 is an investor driven model and you've kind of touched on this, but can you explain what exactly that means and, and how that has an impact on women? So a lot of people call it pay to play, um, and it's it's not wrong. It's it's unfortunate, but um, so a lot of the way that it is structured, the the team doesn't necessarily like. If we look at say professional basketball teams, they want to go out and they want to contract the best players in order to do to do well, bring more sponsors to the team, and be able to pay their players well and perform well. But with the teams. Typically, I mean, not all of them. Um, obviously, the, it gets gets a bit different and complicated. But in the majority, the team is not required to go out. You know, they don't have to go out and find the best drivers. Usually, the drivers are the ones that have to find the sponsorship and bring it to the team. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And so, I just imagine that's very hard for women to do. Um, it's not impossible. Or harder. It's just... Um... It can be harder because... Sometimes you don't have as much experience as, as your male counterpart to show that you've, you can be successful in that area. And a lot of times, um, I mean, there's a lot of companies that see things differently, but there are so a lot of companies that maybe don't necessarily see a woman as, as sound of as an investment as a male driver. And so sometimes it becomes hard to convince them to invest in you and what you want to do. 
Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I do want to talk about the actual racing because I find it fascinating. I think a lot of people listening, they've probably driven a car at some point in their life and they think that you just get in a car <laughs> and you drive and you turn the steering wheel and you da 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 da. But I understand. I've, I've interviewed a couple of race car drivers before. Like it's an intense mental and physical thing to race in one of these. Mm -hmm. So the question I always like to ask is like, what part of your body hurts when you're finished racing that people would be shocked to learn? Um that hurts. I guess it depends on what car you're driving. Okay. But hopefully if you've done your, your training well, nothing really hurts. But, um, for me, I guess, uh, if you don't have a lot of seat time and you get in a car or on a track that has maybe a lot of banking or a lot of really high G loaded corners, um, your neck can get quite sore just because it, it is hard to replicate that strength, that sort of training in, in your neck um, in a, in a gym. I mean, there's ways to do it, but it, it's nothing ever replaces the real thing. Um, and then other things that are really challenged can be your forearms and grip strength and shoulder strength. And actually the shoulder strength kind of ties in because all of the, you know, this upper body chain is sort of connected. So it's like, if you, you know, your shoulders are sore, it can actually be more supported if you increase your, the strength that's in your chest or the strength that's in your tries, just sort of that whole support system. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of upper body strength. Um, and, uh, it's just like this, this whole section of, of you have to, has to be quite stout. So that's so fascinating. So that your neck hurts because you're taking the corners. So like the G forces on you, you're trying to keep your head up. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. I mean, you're just resisting the amount of G forces that are going through your body. You have, you have a seat that is built that is made to form around you. So it hopefully it, it helps support your core a bit, but, um, but ultimately your whole body is taking, uh, anywhere from, you know, one to three G's, um, trying to, trying to resist that going through corners. All right. Um, so, so what do you find to be the most challenging thing about racing? Um, what do I find? There's, I guess there's a lot of things that I think with racing, it, it challenges you in, in so many different ways. Um, as a driver, because you have to deal with the business side of things. You have to deal with, you know, marketing yourself. You have to deal with um, communication with the team. You have to have a general technical understanding of how the cars function. Um, you have to be physically fit. Um, you have to be able to endure. You have to be kind of versatile. And if you do a sprint race like the W Series or um, like uh, next week, I go and do a four hour race. 
So it's like being able to, to compensate for different lengths of time, um, being able to adapt to different cars, different tracks that maybe you've never been to or never been in. Um, I guess the, all those things are what make that's part of being a racing driver and they are all challenging, but I guess it's, um, it is an enjoyable challenge. Do you have a favorite race track? Uh, I do. Um, well in the States, I've never actually raced on it. Um, I would like to in the future. Um, but I would love to race on Laguna Seca and in Europe, I guess, um, I really love Brands Hatch and I like Spa. Okay. What, what makes a, it your favorite racetrack? Like what's good about a racetrack? Um, I think it depends on the driver, but, um, I guess what I like about, uh, Brands Hatch is it the, you know, it's, it's very, it can be, have some really quick blind fast, like sort of like you got to just have faith and go for it sort of section. Um, <laughs> you are a race car driver. I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it, I mean, once you, I guess when you get to a track and there's like a section that is you're struggling with and you've got to push yourself to do it. Um, once you do it, you're like, it's just like one of the greatest feelings in the world. I mean, that mm. that's true for anyone, you know, when you do something that challenges you or maybe scares you or you're a bit uncertain about once you do it, it gives you this, you know, this great, great feeling about yourself. It gives you confidence. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same for a driver on a track. That's amazing. So what is your ultimate goal with racing? Um, ultimate goal has, uh, has been to, to run IndyCar, um, but it's going to take a lot of funding a long way to get there. But, um, but that would be the end all goal. Do you think we'll see a woman start a championship formula one grand prix in the next decade, two decades, your lifetime? Where do you see that? I would hope within, I would hope by the end of the decade. Um, but I, I, I don't know. For sure. I think um, you're going to have to get uh, find a driver from a young age and, you know, build them up along the way, just like the men are. And and they need to have the resources, but they also have to have the, you know, the talent and the drive. Um, so and encouraging more women to start. And if more women start, I think we'll find that person a lot faster. So before I let you go, there's one last thing I want to ask you about. So at the beginning of this you're talking about you're like calculating weight and power and all this stuff and you're like doing it in your head my understanding is that you are an engineer yes I am what did you go to school for uh I went to the car school mines for mechanical engineering wow so do you end up using that then as a as a driver um you don't need it necessarily as a driver but um but I do tend to think about use it when I am obviously just as we were talking I I I do tend to use it sometimes yes that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sabra. I really appreciate it that you've come on Burn It All Down to talk about this. And I'm excited to see the W Series. Can you tell our listeners how they can follow you on the internet? Yes, of course. Um, it is just my name. I try to make it simple. So it is just Sabra Cook on Twitter and Instagram and Sabra Cook Racing on Facebook. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well. And, uh, yeah, I hope that I hope to see you guys there at the race. That would be amazing if you, if you can come. Yes. Well, good luck in everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. So this episode was produced by Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon is our web and social media wizard. Burn it all down as part of the blue wire podcast network. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play, and tune in for show links and transcripts. Check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You can also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store. And thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world. If you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. 
burn on and not out. I love that ending. Burn it or burn it all down and not out. That's great. That's great.